On May 16th of 2022, I googled symptoms of a toxic workplace. Is that not the most pathetic thing you've ever heard? I know, I know, but I'd never been in that situation before, and I'm a millennial, and I needed a definitive how-to on navigating some hostile waters. I needed to know what would be the positive, stable, and affirming steps for management to be taking in regard to this situation at work, and what would be the negative steps per other professionals. I had conquered COVID and re-entered the world to discover more audio recordings now spanning over months and months from the guy that sat next to me for five years. His intensely personal objections to my body, my content, my marriage, my friends, my fans, my comedy tour, and my opinions. I was stressed. I was inexplicably weak. I was foggy. My hair was literally falling out in clumps. I was confused. I was asked if I felt safe coming into the studio, considering the situation. I didn't, but I didn't know what to feel, so I googled. I needed to see it myself from the soft glow of my MacBook. And there it was, common symptoms of a toxic workplace, right there in writing, gathered from executives and various CEOs and important industry folk, and I would tearfully spend the next several weeks putting a check mark next to every symptom as I experienced it in real time. For those of you that know the dopamine hit you get when you check things off your list, this was the most unsatisfying and shitty opposite of that. In your next episode of Dobby the Scapegoat, I'll give you the complete rundown to 10 common symptoms you may be experiencing in your workplace that are considered toxic by industry professionals. But first, let's get an HR representative up in here to help us scapegoats out in navigating these murky corporate waters. Today on Davi the Scapegoat, we are hanging out with Thomas Ryan Lawrence, it is so nice to finally hang out with you and meet you and have an HR rep up in the studio. It's about time. Thomas grew up in Atlanta, has a bachelor's in business administration from Georgia State University. He's one of the founders of Gaberhood, the nation's trusted resource for LGBTQ plus friendly businesses. He's a senior professional in HR certification, and he is currently the founder and executive director of GBA Equality Foundation. First of all, Davi, I'm so excited to be here. Um, saw you at City Winery with a friend of mine back for the Halloween show, oh, which was amazing. My favorite show of all time. It was so much fun. <laughs> yes, episode 20. Go back and listen to it right now. It was so much fun. And that it was after that that I reached out to you. Um, so I'm just so excited to be here with you and, and have a great conversation. Thank um, you again. I appreciate it yeah. because that is one thing. We talk a lot about toxic workplaces and how to deal with hostile work environments. And this is just me and my comedian friends, my musician friends, shooting it from our respective industries of what we've dealt with personally. And I've had a, an enormous amount of people reach out to me that are like, tell me what to do, advise me. Things are so, so bad. And I know you're surviving on the other side of it. Please help. And I'm like, I'm not qualified to right. give you the answers you need. And I personally am still figuring them out because... Sometimes you get fired from a job and it's like last paycheck, the end. Sometimes you get fired from a job and it 
the drama goes on for months and months and months and months. Um, So I'm like, I'm currently still in the thick and learning and I don't want to advise you improperly. And then you reached out and I was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> I, just, uh, I just flap my gums with my opinions and with comedy. Like, I'm, I want to be funny. Um, but I also would like to help people. I miss doing that. I miss Monday through Friday making people laugh on their way to work. It, I felt like I was helping. So when you reached out, I was like, finally, Thomas, you got to tell us all about your nonprofit. So GBA Equality Foundation uh, was founded to basically promote equitable workplace opportunities for queer youth and help them create fulfilling careers. So talking about workplace toxicity, there are still a lot of places out in just the world where I couldn't walk in with my fingernails painted and get a fair interview because of either interviewer bias or corporate culture. There are a lot of places where a transgender individual doesn't feel comfortable, again, in an interview saying, does your health insurance cover gender-affirming surgery? Mm. And what this has led to is this pay gap for queer youth. So right now, the average is one year post-graduation, that pay gap is 11%. So we're earning 11% less than our straight counterparts doing the same job with the same experience. By year 10, that gap grows to 22%. A lot of this is just due to the fact that as queer youth are graduating, they don't have the confidence and the comfort in themselves to number one, ask the questions that really matter. Mm -hmm. And number two, dig down to see, is this workplace culture really in alignment with what I'm looking for and my personal values? It's really easy now to create a DEI page, a diversity, equity, and inclusion page that touts everything that the organization is doing. And we'll talk about how to truly, how how to foster inclusivity, I know a little bit later, but it's another thing to actually put the pedal to the metal and do the work. The effort has to be there. And sometimes a really pretty website by a really great web designer that um usually a communications person yes you're you're like oh this is the place for me they make it look like such a family and then you're taken with how expensive and nice everything looks but then when you get in there you're like oh this is rotten (laughs) like this is rotten in here yeah and that worries me for people so what we do is we work with a network we call them q plus workplaces um mainly in the small and medium-sized business space so 100 employees to 3,000. so we're not talking about your googles your apples your your fortune 500s that really have the money and the funding to promote Mm. their inclusion efforts which i think is awesome Um, We're working with those small and medium-sized businesses to say, look, if you become a Q-plus workplace, you're making some very simple commitments. One, you're willing to hire queer youth. Mm -hmm. Two, you're willing to promote an inclusive workplace for everybody. And, you know, three, you are willing to appoint at least one Q-plus champion internally that if someone comes on and they're having an issue or something isn't what they expected or they need some advice or some guidance, they know who they can go to. Um, and that's what it's all about. So we do that on the on the workplace side, and then we partner with schools, um, colleges, universities, large ones, small ones, HBCUs, all of those to reach the queer youth. And then we help connect them not just to Q plus workplaces, but we also have an advisor network uh, where they'll do either one on one or small group coaching. We have Zoom style fireside chats, Aww. and then we are about to launch our student resource center, yes. uh, which will have like short little um, think of it like 
90 to 120 second videos of how do I come out in an interview? What do I do if someone misgenders me? Mm. And so just really working to help promote that idea that I can go in. I don't I don't want to have to be my authentic self three years after taking a job. Yeah. I want to be able to walk in on day one and be my authentic self now. That would be lovely. Wouldn't it though? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like there are just so many questions for the youth and especially for the youth that you are coaching right now because I can't imagine having to correct someone on my pronouns in an interview and to do that in a how do you correct someone in a respectful manner when you still want the job but you just right. it, it's so difficult and I I love that you're coaching and helping people with that because it's not going to get easier and I love that they're having the this help early on because in an interview they can't ask you those things Right. They, correct. So as of June 2020, with the Supreme Court ruling that codified the fact that sexual orientation and gender identity are in fact covered by Title VII of the Good. Civil Rights Act, they cannot ask that in an interview. Okay. Now, from the candidate's perspective, um, like, for example, if I walked in with painted fingernails, actually, let me not make up an example. Let me give you a real world this example. This really happened. One of my <laughs> first interviews out of college um, my degrees in marketing, I never wanted to go into sales, right? I, I have a minor in sociology and an emphasis on statistical analysis of marketing campaigns. I'm a spreadsheet nerd. I like numbers. <laughs> um, I love that. So I went in to interview for a marketing role, and it involved um, some contact with outside clients. And they're like, look, you know, I think it was, oh, God, I don't know. I'm about to date myself. It was the better part of two decades ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so I will say back then it was a little uh, more binary. It was you're gay, you're straight, right? Now we have this new gender expansive world, gender expression. Um, so there's a lot more f- factors to take in now. But they offered me the job with a contingency. Mm. And it was, we love your personality. We love who you are. But and but dim your shine a little bit. Um, their exact words were, when you're with clients, we need you to butch it up. <gasps> And that's always the response I get. And what sucked. I don't know what to say. What sucked so badly. Who has the audacity? Beyond (laughs) your initial reaction, right? What sucked so badly was my response was, I did. I did. (laughs) I thought I was. We've already hit the ceiling. Like, this is as butch as it gets. As good as it gets, So, like, if I had walked in my everyday self. (laughs) What do they, okay, the... And what was awful about it at the time was it was something that I was so self-conscious about. Oh, no. I used to be very self-conscious about how effeminate I was, am, and now I just, I embrace it. I'm like, fuck off. <laughs> if you don't like me, you don't like me. If yeah. You, yeah, like I'm not dimming my light. I'm not turning down my flare. I'm not doing that. I know my voice ranges. I, I can sound like a cartoon or it can be like very deep if I'm if I'm like, especially if I got like allergies. But people were constantly saying, you know, you need to be more feminine. You know, that was that was something that came up a really? lot. And I'm like, I'm a flat chested little weirdo. Like, what do you want me to do? Um, but it was a lot of. A lot of being in the public eye, there's so much about looking the part. Now that you're here, this is how your makeup and everything should look. And I'm like, I got into radio because no one could see us. And now all you fuckers can see us. <laughs> <laughs> like, quit looking at me. So it was like really troubling. 
I could never understand the emphasis on be more feminine to do your job. We think you're amazing. Yeah, you ask for a raise, we'll give you one because you're great at your job. But you know what would be really great is if you would dress like a slut at the Halloween party. That would be so awesome. And that kind of stuff. <laughs> so I can't imagine. It seemed so There's a obvious there, for girls. I can't imagine that happening. And of course, it happens to every gender. And I'm, yeah. it's eye-opening to see that it could happen in an interview. Quick question. And I know that the answer could be traumatizing, but have you had a, a student that you were coaching or someone that went to a job interview and they asked about sexuality? Because I've definitely been in job interviews where they're like, do you have children or are you looking to get pregnant? And I'm like, isn't that a thing you're not supposed to ask? Okay. The most recent one I have is a friend's child and it wasn't in the interview. It was after they took the job. Oh. So my friend's child, and I'm not saying any names here. Way to make them regret that decision immediately. Seriously. That's so frustrating. Seriously. So um, this person's a recent college graduate. Again, found an organization with a DEI page. Their pronouns are they, them. And everything externally facing, even through the interview, signify that this would be a very inclusive place to work. So they get the job offer. They're super excited. They take the job. And you know how when you start somewhere new, there's so much like, um, you know, you've got your tax paperwork and the handbook and the this and the that. And before you know it, it's like four days and you're like, oh, shit, I should set up an email signature. Yes. So they do that. They put their pronouns in. A day goes by. They sent an email to their supervisor. And the supervisor comes, mid-level manager, and I say that to be like, wants to be supportive, but doesn't actually have the power to affect policy change. Mm. So the manager's like, look, it's against our company policy to list pronouns in your email signature. Really? Mm-hmm. Now, why that would be against policy, That's I have no clue. problematic in itself. It is, right? So I have no clue why a company would do that. And my friend's child was like, okay, well, we'll go with, my name is Emily. My pronouns are they, them. I'm in a business development role. Yeah. So you're telling me that I can't list my pronouns, which automatically means as I'm reaching out to potential clients, they're going to assume my pronouns are she, her. Uh So I'm just supposed to be misgendered every day that I come to work? Yeah. And the manager's like, "Mm, out of my hands. So Emily quit. Good. And went and found another job. Good. But they shouldn't have had to. Shouldn't have. No. They shouldn't have had to. Who's it hurting? I don't care if you have a company policy or not. First of all, if you don't, come up with one. Mm -hmm. It's not that hard. It's not that deep. And if you're worried about some of your more conservative clients being pissed off that you have employees listing their pronouns in their email signature, do you really need or want those people as clients? Like there's this... There's this point where profits are not more important than the people that you are working with. Mm -hmm. So I know a lot of companies aren't there yet. (laughs) They're still very profit-focused, but we are seeing a shift. Yes. You know, we're also seeing a shift. But the shift happens with initiative being taken on the inside. Like, all that manager had to do was go, you know what, let's do that. You have any issues with clients, forward them to me. Yep. We'll remedy this so easily. It's what we call the company coat of arms. Yeah. It's this. 
it's oh no that's not my department oh no it's that's not my problem <laughs> oh no that's, it's everyone else just but me point every other direction but yeah. me yeah that actually makes a lot and of sense and everything will just work itself out yeah <laughs> I mean all all that all that manager had to do was just, just take initiative to be like alright I'm gonna make that change and this will cause you're, this, this hire is worth it like I can tell that the talent you're gonna bring the skill you're gonna bring to the table will be worth whatever what two emails may be out of our clients but like right. Were they the biggest clients? Are you in like a red state? I was always getting compliments at work, always. Years of, you're crushing it. You should stay in radio because you're really good at this. You make all of us better. You got all those compliments for so long. And then like you you, you challenge stuff a little bit. Respect my pronouns or yeah. can I get res- equal respect amongst all of my teammates? And it turns into, if you don't like my management style, then you could leave because I've got... 11 other people that are perfectly happy. So if you don't like my management style, that would come up as like a, I can, I can, I brought you into this world, I can take you out kind of thing. And I was always torn because it's not that I didn't like his management style. I didn't think he had one. Well, (laughs) what I was going to say, at least he phrased it properly. Mm -hmm. That is a management style, not a leadership style. That's true. That is straight up someone who considers himself a boss. I'm a ma- I am managing people. I'm not leading anyone. Okay. I'm expecting everybody to follow me. Mm-hmm. And people with that style, I'm just going to say we see that a lot in the older generation. Mm-hmm. And they're on their way out. And for good reason, because the younger generation isn't putting up with that shit. Yeah. The younger generation isn't... Um, it- it's so interesting because like, I come from the generation of... I'm technically a millennial. So, you know, you work your ass off, you pay your dues, you you do everything you can because you want to climb the ladder as high as you can go. Yeah. Right? That's not what the current generation is doing. There's a lot of, I want to work to sustain my lifestyle, not have my lifestyle be about just working. Yes. 24-7. Like just living to work. And I what love, kind of life is that? I love that shift. Mm-hmm. I love the shift that we're seeing in how professionalism is defined. Um, there's this whole movement on LinkedIn, which frankly, 10 years ago, I couldn't stand LinkedIn because it was just a snooze fest. It was... And now it's getting like really fun. I've seen things <laughs> go viral on LinkedIn and I'm like, it's still there? I'm going to like go dust it off. Check that I out. Just, I made a post about, I have a nine-year-old son who wanted to paint his nails and was nervous. So I was like, cool, daddy will go, you know, we'll go to the salon and we'll get our nails done. We get there, he's like, he changed his mind. I'm like, that's cool. You don't want to paint your nails, you're not going to paint your nails. But daddy drove here. So Mm. someone's getting their nails done. Somebody is. (laughs) Go pick daddy out of color. And it was such a just it was such a simple little post on linkedin got like a quarter of a million views oh my god and it was a lot of people being so supportive of i'm glad that you're showing this to your son yeah because you know men can have pretty nails too Mm -hmm. it doesn't change my pronouns i've had people ask well what are your pronouns my pronouns are he him thank you for asking i appreciate it you can always ask Mm -hmm. but it's the the world of professionalism of you can't have tattoos and be professional Bullshit. Yeah. My tattoos have no bearing on how I do my job, how I interact with people. If anything, they're a conversation starter. And, you know, going back to my friend's child that ended up quitting, the sad part is what that company didn't realize is what clients are you missing out on because you didn't let them have their pronouns in their email signature. Yeah. People would have gone, oh, this is the place for me. This is, look at the supportive, look at the inclusivity rather than, 
I mean, what our thing was is I would I would say something that was like a little political, a little risque for morning radio. I would upset people in Shreveport. You know, I would upset people in these very small markets yeah. that are very red, you know, and very opinionated. So I would upset them so they were like, don't talk, don't speak on like these 10 things anymore. Like it's just too upsetting for people in these smaller markets. And I'm like, why are the smaller markets running the show well, for like these bigger LGBTQ markets? Like, yeah, like um, I was defending, yes, I was defending an LGBTQ plus point. And I can't remember against what controversial figure at that point. But I ended up getting like some flack where it was like, it's okay when so-and-so says it, but something about you really upsets them. So <laughs> and I'm like, but why are we letting them run the show? We're still syndicated in these big places that have a large LGBTQ plus community. And you're negotiating with the terrorists in the small red states that they're probably mad no matter what. Like they're probably Seriously. mad that you're advertising for the salsa that they don't use or probably. something. What do you mean Dukes is better than Hellman? Yeah. Although I will say <laughs> they haven't paid you for an endorsement. So <laughs> I'm going to let that go. Uh, I'm going to bleep that because we here at Dobby the Scapegoat ain't getting fueled by mayonnaise these days. No, sir. Yep. At least not until they pay us. <laughs> so a shout out to our actual episode sponsors. My friends at Revision Design and Renovation, you start every single day by looking at that broken, dated tile in your bathroom while you brush your teeth or those crummy kitchen cabinets as you make your breakfast. You know what feels so much better than ignoring that stuff? Treating yourself to a visit from the experts of beautifying your home space and your headspace. See Revision Design and Renovation for all your flooring, kitchen, bathroom, and basement needs. And... Let's not forget about AG1 by Athletic Greens. I started taking AG1 every morning with breakfast because I just knew there had to be an easier way. I used to be choking down almost 10 different giant capsules to get my vitamins A, C, D, B12, B6, E, calcium, potassium, mushroom complex, antioxidants, probiotics. Finally, I found something that's fast, efficient, and it actually tastes really good. One scoop of AG1 into 12 ounces of water, and I'm out the door, feeling all the energy. I'm moving, I'm shaking, and most importantly, I'm writing again. I'm getting ready for a comedy tour beginning in April, coming to a city near you, so don't miss it. I'll be the one on stage doing high kicks and talking really fast. Thanks, AG1. Go to athleticgreens.com Davi for a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase of AG1. All right. Back to Thomas Ryan Lawrence, our HR rep and the executive director of GBA Equality Foundation. We were discussing how your company should avoid catering to the small-minded but mighty opinionated pearl-clutching clients and rather focus on the greater good, right? You know what? It's the, and not just queer youth, it's the LGBTQ people mm -hmm. in Shreveport and Baton Rouge and Dothan, Alabama, and I'm just pulling small towns out of my ass here, yeah. I, don't, I don't know the syndication markets, that need to hear that more than the community in Atlanta because Atlanta has a really strong gay and lesbian and, and transgender and plus community here. Mm -hmm. It's those smaller cities where it really makes more of an impact. Well, I mean, same with you putting that on LinkedIn. How many people just, I needed to see this today, you know? Like, yeah. or you're getting your nails done in front of the window with your son, and people are walking by with their uh, overprotective and on the wrong side of history parents, but it's like a young boy that's outside seeing you guys and going, I, it's going to get better. Yeah. It's going to be okay one day. I hope so. Yeah. I, I hope. I mean, it's... 
you know, when I first got in, when I first got out of college, my first job ended up being selling advertising for the gay community, Yellow Pages. And I remember how I felt as a freshman in college, walking into Library North on the GSU campus and seeing that stack of books. And for me, it was the first time that I realized, because I grew up in a conservative house, it was the first time I realized that, wow, like there are so many other people out there like me. We have our own yellow page directory? Are you effing kidding me? (laughs) Oh, I can do that. (laughs) And, you know, to look at, you know, people do change. Like when I first came out, I remember my mother saying, you know, I don't, I don't understand it. And I don't condone it, but if it what make you if it makes you happy, I'll learn to accept it. Mm. My mother has now worked by my side at Gaberhood oh. and at the foundation for going on twelve years. That's wonderful. When gay marriage passed through SCOTUS, my mother was the one. She lives in Midtown. Uh, she is driving through on 10th Street, beeping her horn, being like, gay people can get married. My son can get married now. Woo! That's so sweet. Just, I mean, it, it's amazing. So with that, I say, you know, to those people that are out there that maybe aren't doing the best that they could be doing from an inclusivity standpoint or are toxic bosses or are contributing to a toxic workplace, I like to say there's no lost cause Mm. because I believe everyone can change, but they have to want to change. They have to want to change. And there's a lot of emotional labor that comes with your community when they have to be the one that incites this growth (laughs) in other people. That can be very exhausting, I imagine. Yeah. But it's very important for LGBTQ youth to be in the business world for that reason is causing that growth, even though that is very taxing on y'all, I imagine. But what are some other reasons it's so important to have that on your team? Yeah. So, so one, one of the things we do at the foundation is we do work with industries and organizations where LGBTQ representation is typically lower. Hmm. So we just brought on a new Q plus workplace that has a lot of manufacturing facilities. Manufacturing is not typically something that you would think of a queer person going into. I'm like, Ooh, I'm being very stereotypical here, but, um, you know, Ooh, a dirty shop, lots of machinery. I'm I'm not going there, you know? Wait, I'm like, wasn't one of the YMCA guys? <laughs> wasn't he like a factory guy? <laughs> well, and the point too is a lot of manufacturing facilities are in more rural towns. Yeah. You're less likely to find someone out in a rural town than mm-hmm. you are in a city. Um, but the case for being inclusive, all people, LGBTQ people, one, let's just be really clear first and foremost, it's the right thing to do. Yes. All inclusivity is (laughs) the the right thing to do. I mean, I could go down a religion rabbit hole of, look, you don't want to get an abortion? Don't get an abortion. Mm -hmm. Don't, you know, you don't want to get gay married? Don't marry someone of the same gender. Don't tell me what I can and can't do with my body, my time, my relationship, Mm -hmm. my life. So, one, just the right thing to do. Two, like I mentioned earlier, back when I graduated college, it was very binary. It was gay, straight. I remember being excited when, like, the national average of people that identified as gay hit four and a half percent. I'm mm. like, "Woo, we coming up. Yeah. All right. <laughs> We're almost at five percent. Now, one in five people born after, I think, 1996 identify as not straight. So that could be gay, lesbian, trans, Mm non-binary, gender fluid. So if you're looking at, I have a team of, you know, 20 people, you're looking at four of them 
you know, four to five of them being not straight. How are you going to successfully run your business and your organization and do good if you aren't inclusive of these people? Mm. You know, inclusive of all people. But the case for, again, why it's so important um, to recognize that queer people have a place in the business world is the numbers just keep getting bigger. So if you're an organization who doesn't value inclusivity and diversity, you're going to have a problem getting people to work with you. And I always like to make that distinction. So I don't believe that anyone works for anyone. That's very hierarchical. It's very, again, back to I'm your boss, I'm your manager. I believe we all work with each other. That's uh, nice. We all bring different attributes and different things into the melting pot that make an organization, whether it be a call center, a manufacturing facility, a show, successful, it never rests on just one person's shoulders. It shouldn't. I mean, I've always thought of it as like team members, teammates, you yep. know, like there's staff and then there's there's my team. Like yeah. all of us are working parts that make this all work splendidly. And it mm-hmm. takes all of us and all of those working parts to make it move as it's supposed to yeah. and, and move forward. And sometimes it just doesn't feel like that. And especially in workplace dynamics that are like, we're a family. And I'm like, okay, personally, not everyone, this is the case, but if you come from a dysfunctional family dynamic where maybe you had like a, a narcissist that was at the head mm-hmm. that their emotions and what they were going through is a trickle down affected everyone and everyone within the household was working towards making this one person happy like that that one person Mm -hmm. and nothing can make them happy like they're they're in a turmoil they're unhappy in themselves so I had that kind of family dynamic and then I went and worked at a place that was very every day we're a family there's so much emphasis on loyalty and you get that like patriotic feeling in your heart where you're like yes I'm part of this team I'm so important I could bring a tear to my eye mm-hmm. and then you realize we're all just kind of at the mercy of that person's attitude today like we can yeah. kind of tell what kind of day it's going to be by how the door opens and when you're in that kind of negative atmosphere and you already have something that makes you the weak link and that could be anything that could be your gender that could be your sexuality that yeah. could be your disability that could be your mental illness that could be it could be your, your face voice. it could be your voice it could be your voice it could be the fact that you're not willing to take shit from other people that you're actually willing to stand up for yourself yeah. and say this is a behavior that occurred that does not work for me please don't do it again that a lot of times will put an arrow on your back, a bullseye on your back. Mm-hmm. In you know, first of all, anytime I hear we're a family mm-hmm. as it relates to work, that is like raise the red flag. This is a toxic work environment. Okay, I've been like wanting to hear that from an HR rep oh because because I have read science on this. Mm-hmm. Calling your workers a family opens up for so much toxicity, and it makes yeah. it okay. And especially when someone that comes from I mean, I'm saying this as someone that came from dysfunctional family dynamic. That boss comes from dysfunctional family dynamic, maybe doesn't have the yeah. best concept of healthy family dynamics. Right. And uh, and it's like, this is what worked for lauding my power. You know, lo- mm-hmm. my, this is what worked for my dad. I will do this to these people. And I just finally wanted to hear someone in a professional HR Which is interesting when I know some people toxic. like, they'll talk 
negatively about their upbringing and recognize that this person had a negative influence on me, but then they use those lessons yeah. to foster how they treat other people. I, I mean, I didn't have role models. I had people who taught me how not to be, which is equally important sometimes. You can get yeah. just as many lessons from that. But I think some people saw it as, all right, it's dog eat dog, and that guy has scared the shit out of me my whole life, so I'm just going to act like him yeah. when I get older because that's what gets shit done. And yeah. that's what makes people fear me. Like, even though maybe on the outside, I don't look that scary. <laughs> right. But I want to appear big and strong and I want people to treat me like I'm big and strong. And that's yeah. what ends up being festered within the studio. Well, or I'm sorry, the workplace. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, and look, here's the deal. The problem with calling your workplace a family um, and why it's so toxic is to your point, I believe that on some level, every personal individual family is dysfunctional in some way, shape, or form, mm. right? There is no perfect family. There's no normal family. We all grow up um, wishing that something would have been different, something would have been said different. Like, we all have our own strifes, our own struggles, yes. right? So to say that a work – and typically our family expects more out of us um, – not in a balanced way. And that's not always a bad thing, right? Mm -hmm. So I'll use myself and my husband as an example. Um, we're both entrepreneurs. We have a nine-year-old son. There are times where my husband is putting in 90% of yeah. taking care of the house because I am I am running 90% on launching a new nonprofit, mm -hmm. right? And then there are times where it balances back out, where maybe 50-50, then it goes 60-40. That is expected from someone that I've chosen to spend the rest of my life with. Yes. He is not paying me to be with him. And you guys have an understanding of give and take. There's no, right. I'm getting paid for the, like, exactly. where, there's none of that. That is just a unconditional love, respect, right. mutual respect, and yes. absolute balance. And like, and then sometimes, you're doing more of the housework and he's out. Yep. The not yeah, so, and that's how Blair and I work yeah. as well, but a lot of relationships are not like that. No, and look, and we still strive, like in our personal relationship, like we have, what we call it the five to one rule. We try to make sure that if we are giving, um, trying to think how to phrase it, if I'm giving a recommendation on how you could do something better, i.e. a criticism, mm -hmm. perhaps, that I'm only doing that for every five positive things I tell you, like, thank you for folding the laundry. Thank you for cooking dinner. I really appreciate the way that you handled this situation. By the way, I would appreciate it if you would do this a little differently. Um, a key indicator of a toxic workplace is when you are getting more negative feedback than you are positive mm. or when there's a gross misalignment. You're awesome. You're doing wonderful. You've done such a great job. And then, bam, you are sitting there and you you just were handed a performance improvement plan. Mm -hmm. And you're like, what the f what the hell? Wait, what? Yeah. Uh, I was just given compliments by like nine people and now I'm on a pip. Mm -hmm. Like that is, um, that's, I, I know we ha have it on the list to talk about, but that's a form of quiet firing. Okay. Of all of a sudden, like that's someone trying to lay the foundation for... Okay, I don't care what all these people said about how great you're doing. We're going to document yeah. something that you've done wrong. Forget all the 97 things that you've done right. We'll figure it out. We'll, right. we got to have something on paper, and we'll just kind of wait this out until mm -hmm. we can start. Yeah, you brought up the quiet quitting and the great resignation, and the younger generations just aren't dealing with yeah. the pay your dues. You got to pay your dues. You got to let us exploit and manipulate you for many years yep. before you're allowed to advance. And it's like, 
But generally, if you were in that role where you were getting picked at and having to do all these things, you stay in that role at a lot of places until you leave. And then you pay your dues at the new place, but you're already established. You did the entry level crap at the old job. Why you got to pay your dues over here? So companies are going to have a hard time with that going forward because Mm -hmm. with a younger generation, they're not hopping jobs to get an extra, you know, if you're hourly, an extra buck or two an hour, if you're salaried five, ten, fifteen thousand dollars, they're leaving because they're not learning Mm -hmm. anymore. And as soon as they stop learning, they leave and I listened to your podcast with with Blair on paying your dues and I was sitting in my car I was like oh my gosh I was I wish I was there right now I believe in paying your dues right I paid my dues when I first started in advertising and I wanted I knew I wanted to go into a leadership role so I took an entry-level role I made entry-level wages which were good Um, I had a boss I learned the company I learned the industry And then to pay my dues, I went above and beyond. And I stayed late with my sales manager at the office to learn her job, to learn how to do the stats. How can I improve the process? How can I help the company be more efficient? But it was my decision. Mm -hmm. You know, that was me paying my dues. Paying your dues is learning as much as you can so that you figure out how you can add value to an organization in the future, not someone exploiting you for free. (laughs) that is not paying your dues. That's being taken advantage of. Yes. And again, it's more easily done in a family environment Mm -hmm. because, well, don't you want to stay with the family? And just to wrap up the whole family thing, I don't care how mad I ever get at my nine-year-old. I can't fire him. Yeah. (laughs) Nor would I. Right? I don't care how mad I get at my dog, Bowie. You're fired. I can't fire. Oh, you know what? I am so tired of telling you to do your homework. You are out. Bye. Bye. Figure it out. You're done. Like, no, if, if you were truly a family, mm. you would build a core, mm-hmm. and y'all would be together for the next 20, 30, 40 years. Yeah. That's a family. That's that's what it seems like. But then you have some people, like if you ever adopted a dog. Yeah. You know? And that's a family member. Yeah. That's a family member. And I know people that... Even if that dog is chewed up everything in their house, they would never get rid of that dog. That's us. Yes. $200 and, pair of shoes, oh. $400 mouth guard. I could go on. Two I, couches. My dog, Rickles, <laughs> has, like Banjo wasn't a big chewer. He likes to lick. So okay. if you left him alone with a pillow for many, many hours, he could lick a hole straight through it. it, <laughs> it but it's like an anxiety thing. And you're almost like, oh, buddy, you need your thunder jacket. You know, right. like you're having a day. Yeah. But Rickles is destruction and chaos. And he has what we call corn cobbed, like all the windowsills in our house. So if you noticed, (laughs) if you thought Blair or I were in isolation too long and we were just clawing Clawing at the windows trying to get out, that wasn't us, it's the dog. (laughs) I promise we don't chew on our windowsills. But you adopt a dog, it's part of your family. Mm -hmm. There are certain people that the moment that dog gives them side eye, they're just like, all all of the problems in my life are this dog. Like yeah. everything, oh, I did this dog, you know? And then before you know it, we had to rehome the dog. And it's like, yeah. did it bite a child? And it's like, no, we just mm-hmm. couldn't anymore. Just couldn't. It and, just wouldn't stop peeing on the floor. And you're like- Really, a puppy. What? Yeah. Oh my God, you're kidding me. Or, you know, she has allergies. And I'm like, suddenly? Like su- <laughs> sudden allergies? Okay. How does these other two dogs not affect, but this one, whatever, uh, return adoption, I guess, is normal for some people. What, what bothers me is it is not normal for most. And then the people yeah. that I know that have done it have done it more than once. And oh. I look at that and wow. I go, you throw people away very easily. Yeah. And this and, and not, you know, dogs, people, any family member yeah. means literally nothing to you. It's just 
it's a word that means more to the people around you and you know that it manipulates. Mm -hmm. And I think, and I allowed that, you know, like there were so many times at work that I was like, I have to show the loyalty. It's almost like a cult. Like if I, if I, if I'm not, you know, if I, if I'm not being. That's because it was ingrained in you. Yeah. I mean, a decade of. I drank the Kool-Aid. Yeah. <laughs> I did. I drank the Kool-Aid. Yeah. Terrible reference. I don't, because... I don't want to say a, a decade worth of gaslighting, but it's, you know, um, yeah. The mm. difference now is, like, we were talking about quiet quitting. Mm -hmm. uh, first of all, this has been around forever. We've just slapped a new label on it, yeah. which is totally cool. It makes it fresh and brings it back up in topics of conversation. I see this a lot with hourly employees. So we've got hourly salary. You know, you've got exempt, non-exempt. So you either get paid overtime or you don't. Which it made sense for hourly employees. I'm like, if you can do the bare minimum and still get your hourly pay and you can just make that work for a while, then yeah, quietly mm -hmm. do the bare minimum. I mean, if it's paying you but it's not fulfilling and you can still get that done while focusing your skill and efforts into getting something else, mm -hmm. I get it. Um but then I was like, uh, that's why I emailed you and I was like, do you believe in um, there's such thing as quiet firing? And yeah. you, you were like, oh, yeah, let's do that. Yeah. So, I mean, quiet fire. So first, quiet quitting, totally a thing. But it is where, like, you're given a list when you're hired, you're given a list of job duties. Mm -hmm. And where organizations need to stop is saying, okay, we're laying off these three people. Um, I'm going to give... A third of their job duties to person A, a third to B, a third to C, you're not making any more money. You no. should just be happy to have a job. Yes. No. Uh-uh. Sorry, Susan. Yeah. That's not no, I have an employment contract. These are my duties. If you'd like to talk about adjusting my pay, because that's fair. When you give someone more work, you should compensate them more. And like, that's that's how to deal with that immediate, like, okay, we're, we're firing these three. You're going to do three times the job because we know you can. You're just so good at that. Like, like they, they kind of compliment sandwich too. you. Yeah. I know I can, I know too. I can. And For I the would right like, price. I appreciate the opportunity to expand mm. my skill set and be a further value to the organization. When are you available to sit down and talk about my compensation, given that I will be taking on additional duties? Holy shit, I'm going to write that down. You just, <laughs> you've recorded <laughs> it. Amazing. <laughs> yes, like everybody write that down. If you got to go whoop, like back like 20 seconds to get that full thing. I tried to make it nice and quiet so you could hold the floor. I'm just over here going, yes. You saw the look in my eyes. <laughs> Again, we're speaking with Thomas Ryan Lawrence. He is the founder and executive director of GBA Equality Foundation. You're helping create opportunities, comfortable opportunities and fulfilling careers for a lot of people that desperately need it right now. And GBA is doing something really cool right now that you said was like special for yes. Davi the Scapegoat listeners. Yes, 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 yes. So first and foremost, um, like I said, we're, we're looking for more Q plus workplaces. So if you are someone that works at an organization that you know would be interested in supporting our mission by hiring queer youth or even interviewing queer youth, um, please go to our website. It's gbaequality.org. Again, that's gbaequality.org. You can click on workplaces, fill out the form, and someone from our team will contact you with more information on becoming a Q-plus workplace. Um, the really exciting thing that Davi mentioned <laughs> was as I was talking with our board of directors, um, we have a donor 
who is a fan of Davi and was super excited to hear that I was coming on to talk about HR stuff and and her giving us the opportunity to plug and promote the foundation. Um, when this episode airs, when it drops live on your podcast, this donor is going to match all donations that come in for 72 hours after the podcast drops up to $10,000. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So That's we are amazing. like super excited. That is amazing. That's such a generous and kind thing to do. It is and awesome. Oh my God. I'm so excited. This is like my first time like really fundraising. <laughs> like let's crowdsource guy. We need right? to get some monies. So we have a bit.ly link because that's easier. Mm-hmm. So bit.ly, if you're not familiar with it, it's B-I-T dot L-Y and then slash Davi Helps Queer Youth. Oh my God. Yeah. It's a whole little blurb. Oh, my it God. Is. So, that's so exciting. Again, that's bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y slash Davi Helps Queer Youth. Uh, we have set up a special fundraising landing page just for your listeners. Mm-hmm. And again, from the time that this podcast ends, we will have 72 hours and everything up to $10,000. This incredibly generous donor is going to match dollar for dollar. That is amazing. And yes. that's, that's so exciting, guys. Okay, time is of the essence. Give them the link one more time to go donate right now. Absolutely. It is bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y slash Davi Helps Queer Youth. Let's do it, guys. Let's make them so much money. Let's get this generous, anonymous benefactor to match it. And it's (laughs) going to be so great for this organization. I'm so excited. And then for those people that are like, I don't get paid until Saturday or something. After you get your paycheck, if you you don't want to be a part of this big fun party that we're doing for 72 (laughs) hours and you got to come back after your paycheck, just know that general donations can be made year round, any time of day, right? At gbaequality.org slash donate. Yes. gbaequality.org slash donate. But we want you to donate like right now. We do, like, yes, because right again, a dollar for dollar match in the nonprofit world is just, it's an incredible opportunity for us. It is literally free money. Oh so my gosh, I love it. We appreciate all the support of, of the little Kremlins out there. Yeah, and little Kremlins. Yes! You got to help me and Thomas. So make sure you go to that link and donate today and support GBA Equality Foundation. Donate money right now. Go yeah, do it right now. now. Please. You only have 72 hours. Hurry up. <laughs> we want to match that shit. Next on Davi the Scapegoat. Remember when I Googled toxic workplace (laughs) symptoms and then a month later I was fired? I'm always going to remember that. And it's not lost on me that that is how, you know, my brain came to learn this and then go, but we can be better. That's not us. Those symptoms are not us. We can be better. We can do this. But like you said, there's no growth if somebody doesn't want to change. And it was made out to me as what do you want me to do about the culture of this studio? Here's the deal. It, it, at the end of the day, and I'm gonna—I'm definitely gonna touch on the mental health in the workplace. My opinion, just as an HR person, someone who's dealt with mental health, and just from listening to your previous podcasts and this conversation, and this will—this might be hard to hear. Hmm. Get your pencils out, people. Record yep. this one down. <laughs> all right. Got workplace-related questions you want answered by our HR representative, Thomas Ryan Lawrence? He's not just human resources. He's goat resources, too. (laughs) Send your questions to us directly. DaviCrimmins.com forward slash contact. Come back tomorrow for our bonus episode with Thomas. Part two. Maybe you'll think twice before you try to leave.